Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. If you're Irish, celebrate your heritage today. If you're not Irish, celebrate Irish heritage today. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day to my friend and our next guest. Does a phenomenal job on the beat covering the Saints for the Times-Picayune. I think he's an incredible storyteller. Non-fiction storyteller, right? When it comes to telling a player's story and covering the team as well. That'd be Mr. Luke Johnson, who's on the line with us. And uh, full disclosure, listen... If if some if there's some big Saints breaking news here in the next uh, you know 20 minutes during this conversation, we're gonna let Luke run. But I, I, I guess that's my first question, Luke. First off, good morning and happy St. Patrick's Day. But my first question is, when when it gets to this time of year and you're on the beat and you're dealing with a team like the Saints that had to shed all this salary off of the cap and still have to sign some free agents. Like when it comes to breaking news, are you able? Are, are you ever able to actually like get a good night's sleep? Or are you just constantly waiting, waiting to be woken up? The key is uh, the key is to get up really early. <laughs> um, so like I'm I'm a I'm the kind of person who likes to you know like to exercise. I try to get a run in uh, or, or some sort of you know like a bike ride every day. Uh, and last week I was, I was getting up at like five thirty in the morning just to get it in, um, because I, I just didn't know what was gonna what was gonna happen from from seven thirty to to you know, nine o'clock at night. Um, so I, I think that's that's really the key is just to to get up early. And, and a lot of this stuff, you know, like uh, you know, the the big national reporters are so on top of things, uh, so plugged in that <laughs> a lot of times it's just you're you're just waiting for waiting for your phone to, to ding and and uh, and see the latest thing Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter have tweeted, and you know, that sets you into motion. So it's, it's been a, a hectic week and a half, especially considering all the, the work the Saints had to do. Um, you know, they haven't been very busy in free agency. They've only signed one player who wasn't on their team last year. Um, but, you know, the, the last week and a half they've been – probably more busy or as busy as any NFL team out there. Uh, so it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been hectic. And I'm, I'm looking forward to like a couple days where it just uh, slows down just a little bit. I was reading the transcript of Mickey Loomis's appearance on um, satellite radio. And I, I felt that while he doesn't often show his cards in regards to the cap situation, there really wasn't much to show. I mean, it was all kind of out there and, it seemed to be a very honest approach, like, look, tool a little bit, but we still kept some guys we wanted, and we won't be premier shoppers in uh, in in free agency this year. And, I, you know, I think there's a number of teams, you know, they, they like to use the phrase, um, bands like to use the phrase, you know, off of the bargain rack. That's something I imagine you expect the Saints to be doing here is free agency officially begins at 3 o'clock today. Yeah, uh, you know, I think they're they're going to, uh, you know, sign some players, um, but I think it's pretty clear that they're they're not going to be signing players the caliber of uh, Demario Davis or um, Emmanuel Sanders or um, Jared Cook was. They thought at the time a very good signing. I thought he had a, a really good first year. Obviously, he fell off last year, but um, yeah, it, those those type of players who are kind of the the upper middle tier free agents um, who you're signing for eight or $9 million a year. I, I just, I don't think that's in the cards this year. Um, just considering what they have to work with. 
I think maybe it could have been if uh, yeah, the pandemic never happened and the salary cap went from 198 million to 210 million instead of going from 198 to 185 for the Saints. Um, yeah, I, I, that makes things a, a whole hell of a lot harder for them, and it's why they've, they've had to just kind of gut the, that middle tier of their roster. I think they're still going to be in position to be a very good team, uh, but they have to have more things go right. You know, the last couple of years, they were able to, to navigate these uh, these you know, injury spells where they're, they're going to lose key guys for you know extended periods of time, and they're able to navigate that because they were deep. And I think that's one thing that you can't just automatically count on with this 2021 team because they've had to let go of a lot of really good players, uh, players who aren't the Alvin Kamara's or the Michael Thomas's or the um, you know Cam Jordans of the team. But they are really important, and uh, and yeah, you know, I think they're going to have to really rely on on nailing some of these uh, these kind of low middle tier free agents, and they're really going to have to do a good job in the draft and the undraft undrafted free agent pool. Luke Johnson, our guest. So the Saints' file reports are officially um, underneath the the salary cap line. Um, does that do you feel like in terms of releases the Saints are done with guys that are you know key players that are under contract? Do you, do you foresee any more releases, or do you think now that they're officially under the cap with free agency starting today, that's that's done? I think it's still possible. Uh, you could see somebody like uh, like Patrick Robinson or um, maybe Latavius Murray. I, I know uh, they really really like Latavius, um, and they don't want to have to do that. Uh, but they're going to have to clear a little bit more space uh, just for um, you know getting some of this depth back um, on the roster. And th- those are two guys who uh, you know I think if you release either of them, you could save four million dollars against the cap. Um, I imagine at some point uh, in the in the near future, um, and, and it kind of depends on the representatives for these players, but. Um, if if you look at the three highest cap hits on the team right now, uh, there are three players who are in either being franchise tagged or are in the the last year of a rookie contract and the fifth year option that that pays them, you know, like kind of like an aggregate of the top five paid at the position. So, um, Marcus Williams, Ryan Ramchek. Uh, and Marshawn Lattimore are all counting more than $10 million against the salary cap. If you um, negotiate a long-term deal with one of those guys uh, or two of those guys, yeah, then you can start doing the, the cap gymnastics that the Saints do where they, um, you know, the first year is, is a million-dollar base salary and, and uh, they, you know, it's heavily bonus in that first year and then they, they continue kind of kicking the can down the road and then that's, you know, that ends up serving up you know, seven, eight million dollars in cap space, and you can talk about like going and, and signing a free agent or two. Um, but I, I think the point being is is they have a move or two to make um, that is necessary, just so they can kind of um, get some of the steps back on the team. Uh, so I, I don't think they're necessarily done. Luke Johnson of the Times Picayune Saints beat writer. Uh, is our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Check out all the Luke stuff over at NOLA.com. 
Um, so of all the releases, I think I personally, I think Janoris Jenkins in terms of filling a, a spot, um, from a guy that's gone is, is the biggest hole. Um, some feel like it's Sanders. I, I think when I was looking at this off season, Luke, even, even before we knew what the cap number was, it looked like it was going to be really hard for Jenkins to come back with the cap number that it was going to be this year. Now, Perhaps they wanted to restructure or sign him to an extension or something, and his agent said, test the market. He reportedly assigned with the Titans. In your mind, of of all the releases this year, I think Morstead's obviously was the most personal for various reasons, but of all of them, which is the one you think they least wanted to do, but because of the salary cap, it truly forced their hand? No, it's absolutely Janoris Jenkins. Um their pass defense finished last season right number four in the NFL. Uh, and the reason they were able to do that is because they had two really good cover corners on the outside. Um, and yeah, I, I think that masked a lot of, uh, you know, other potential problems for them. Um, and that's that's got to be a, a position of, of a huge priority for them this offseason. Because uh, right now, if you look at their roster, it's it's uh, it's Marshawn Lattimore and it's uh, Patrick Robinson, and that's about it at corner for players who have any real NFL experience on the team. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think Janoris played a, a, a very good football for them last season. Um, and you know, you're right; there, there was absolutely no way they were going to keep him at that number. I think he was going to count 14 million against the cap. And you know, by releasing him, they saved seven million, but they got to carry a, like a seven million dead cap charge, which I, I think is the biggest out of any player that they they uh, don't have on their team this year. Um, yeah, it, for a lot of reasons, it just like <laughs> that one sucked. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, they they had to do that one. Uh, they, they could not have him playing it. He would have been their their second most expensive player on the roster this year if, if he would have played at that number. And just considering the uh, the position they were in, um, they just they couldn't have that much of their, their salary cap resources tied up into one player. ESPN 1420.com. Uh, does this, I mean, free agency, cornerback, obviously they'd love to do it. You see some of the early deals agreed upon, Luke. They appear to be perhaps too rich for the Saints' blood in a year like 2021. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think the number one priority is in free agency? Is it simply, look, we're not going to put a label on a certain position. We just need to get good players at, at bargain prices? Or do you think they're really going into this saying, we must fill the whole area A, B, and C? Well, every year they go into this these off-seasons with uh... – with like a list, right, and and the list includes like must address positions and and you know wants like want to address it. So um, yeah, I think that's probably changed after, uh, or at least it's changed in the public eye. You know, I don't they they probably had these these moves kind of lined up for a while, um, depending on whatever the salary cap was going to be. But um, yeah, that's that's fluid. Obviously, as, as you make as you make moves, but I, I think you could you could look at this team, and you could look at um, you know, where they were probably weakest at the end of the season, 
and then see how that's kind of aligned with their their moves that they've made or, or people they've been unable to sign. So I, I think right now um, it, it, they this team has has had a lot of its success built on the offensive and defensive lines the last couple of years. Their offensive line is short up. They've got their top six guys from back from last year. Um, but their defensive line uh, took a really huge hit uh, this year. They, you know, they traded Malcolm Brown yesterday. Trey Hendrickson signed with the Bengals. Um, you know, they, they're probably not going to re-sign Sheldon Rankins uh, as much as that sucks for me to hear because I love talking to that guy. Um, they're going to need to replenish that area of the team. Um, you know, they're, they're probably going to have to, even, even though they really like Carl Granderson, I imagine they're probably going to have to get a third edge rusher. Um, and you know, somebody who fits their mold and, and, you know, which is a tough thing to do because the, the saints like to play these, these big, strong, physical defensive ends. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have to go out and find somebody to play defensive tackle, even though they really like Malcolm Roach and shy Tuttle. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously you look at, uh, the secondary, I, you know, I thought maybe going into the season safety was going to be a need because I didn't think they were going to be able to retain Marcus Williams, but they did that. And now they, you, you look at kind of on the boundaries and they, they need to probably get a few players who can play corner and they need to find guys who fit their, uh, what they like to do, you know, man cover guys. Um, you know, we saw him linked yesterday to Richard Sherman. I, I don't know if that's going to be a possibility. I, I think, um, that's obviously dependent on, um, Richard Sherman represents himself. So he's really only, like looking out for himself in this, he's not having to worry about what his agent's saying. Um, and you know, you, you just never know what what a player wants at, at this stage of of the career that Richard Sherman's in. Um, you don't know if he wants to maximize his earnings or um, you know go somewhere where he's more where he's most comfortable or go somewhere where he has the best chance of winning a Super Bowl. You know, you, you never really know. Uh, but like with somebody like Sherman, you know, he played he played under. Uh, uh, their new defensive backs coach, Chris Richard. Uh, and I, for, for you, like people out in Acadiana, it is Richard and not Richard. Not Richard, right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he played under Chris Richard out, out in Seattle. So, um, you know, there's a connection there. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a possibility if, if they can get him for, for, uh, less than probably he's, he's worth, but that's, that's going to be a thing in, in you, you brought it up in the, in the, in the question itself before I just started rambling away here. Um, but with the salary cap being what it is this year, your teams plan ahead uh, like two or three years when they, when they're mapping out their roster. And usually that, that includes like baking in a $10 million increase in the salary cap by on a year by year basis. It's been going up by almost exactly 10 million years for the last six years before this year. So, really a $16 million drop in the cap that they had this year is, is effectively a $26 million drop in the cap. Um, so what you're going to, the result of that is going to be like kind of a squeeze on the NFL's like middle class. Uh, you're going to see like a lot of the like good players who are, who are not the highest earners on the team, like, like a lot of players, the Saints cut um, be released and then they're not going to be able to re-sign for what they were making before. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of players this year sign 
you know, a, a one or two year deal at a very affordable rate, um, hoping to, to get a chance to kind of recoup some of their value next year when the cap hopefully goes up. Luke Johnson, our guest, covers the Saints for the uh, New Orleans Advocate and Times Picayune. Check out his stuff, NOLA.com, at by Luke Johnson on Twitter, by Luke Johnson. Yeah, across the board, Luke, just almost every positional group is losing a starter or a key reserve. I mean, whether it be Jenkins in the secondary or Juan Alexander, though it was expected, right? I mean, no, everyone knew he wasn't coming back on that deal, but it's it's still a loss. Anzalone's probably going to be gone elsewhere in free agency, and he intimated as much, um, you know, again, guys that have started. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon yeah. Rankins on the D-line, uh, Nick Easton, on the O-line, you know, a versatile guy that by no means was the best player on the O-line or anything like that, but, you know, could start or come off the bench. Your first guy off the bench if he wasn't starting, Emmanuel Sanders gone, you know, you're going to have a new starting quarterback with Breeze retiring. Running back hasn't really taken that hit yet, but as you said earlier, there still is that possibility they don't want to, but there's still a possibility Murray might have to go. Your, your punter's gone. Justin Hardy, a key special teams player, signed with the Jets yesterday. So whether it be a release or guys signing elsewhere, um, and I know Will Lutz is back, but there's like kicker, safety, and running back. That's about it where you still kind of got uh, somebody, you know, didn't, didn't lose, say, a starter. Um, and Mickey Loomis used the word, we're more retooling, not rebuilding. And I don't necessarily disagree with them, Luke, but it's a it's a pretty big retooling process here. Who who starts a quarterback next year, whether it be, you know, Jameis, Taysom, or a combination of Tamus, that's gonna be the big offseason and preseason storyline. But for me, the success of the Saints in, in twenty twenty one is really gonna be how do they replace all all of that, as you put it, middle class on the roster, because the middle class on the Saints roster the last few years has arguably been the best middle class in the league when you look at team depth and overall talent. You know, no disrespect to Jacksonville, but the middle class players on the Jags aren't as good as the Saints ones have been. So they're losing middle class players, but they're losing really, really good ones. And how they fill those holes, I think, is going to go probably going to be a bigger determining factor in, in the win-loss record next year than, you know, how whoever is starting a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they're losing guys who uh, who were who were picked up and, and signed in the first first day or two of free agency, right? Like, those those guys, a lot of those guys that you brought up are, were signed before the the legal tampering window even, even closed, which that closes, you know, today for whatever that means. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Um but look, you know, I think I brought that up in one of the very first things I said. It's, it's. I don't think people give the depth of the Saints roster these last few years as much credit as it deserves. You know, if you're going to credit like a non-sentient thing here, right? I mean, that was really, really important for them these last couple of years. They were so deep just across the board, and. And I think that's why they were consistently a, a Super Bowl favorite. It wasn't just because uh, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback and they had really good skill players and good offensive and defensive lines. Um, I, it was because one through fifty-three. I, I mean, they were better than anybody out there, right? I, you know, you can you can have a, a, a single game outcome that that you know is is non-dependent on on a team's depth, 
but over the course of a 16 game season, like that's, that's going to get you a lot of places, especially when you start dealing with injuries. Um, and you know, that's taken a huge hit this year. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's, they should be commended for, for being able to keep this nucleus together where, you know, you're losing players at every position, but you're not losing the most important players at every position, right? Like you're not losing Cam Jordan. You're not losing Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara or, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchak or um, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, like all those those just absolute core players, uh, the best players in your team, you're keeping that all intact. Um, but you really got they they've got a lot of work to do to replenish um, this this group of of players that were very important to their success. Um, and I, frankly, I, I think it's it's really going to be on. Um, Jeff Ireland and his staff on, on the, the college scouting department with the Saints uh, to really knock this draft class and this undrafted free agent class out of the park uh, and find some guys who are going to contribute in a huge way uh, and uh, you know, do it on very affordable rookie contracts. Um, and that's, that's going to be how they sustain their success over these next couple of years. Uh, regardless of, of the quarterback play, I, I, they've got to find um, you got to find some affordable players because they've got a lot of players on the roster who are going to need uh, big paychecks. And you know, of course, also the the tactics that they use to uh, keep these guys all together, um, you know, it, it's taking money from this year and it's spreading it into next year and the year after that. Uh, so. Um, yeah, it's not like this this uh, this cap uh, tightness is going away anytime soon. Uh, it's it's a lot less of an issue if the if the cap is you know, back to where they expect it to be. Um, but you know the the forty million dollars they create in cap space by restructuring these contracts, um, you know, it's still going to come due at some point. So they've they've got to have a lot of cheap talent on their roster to make this whole thing work. Luke Johnson, our guest. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Uh, I, I got to ask you about a guy you were writing about, um, a name that I think Saints fans, even really deep ones, kind of didn't know about until two months ago when there was talk that Terry Fontenot might be trying to bring him to Atlanta with him. Uh, he's described as kind of one of the Saints' cap gurus, a guy that has been – you know, using tools in the cap system that has been, uh, you know, it's been copied by other teams. I think you know who I'm talking about, Luke. You were writing about him last night. But tell our listeners about Kai and what what he means to the Saints front office. Yeah, Kai Harley is, uh, I mean, he's not one of their cap gurus. He's, he's the guy. Um, and uh, essentially his job is to make the money work. And, uh yeah, I, I was talking to I was talking to somebody about um, you know I was really talking about the the simple restructures that the, the Saints do, and um, you know it's it's something the Saints have been doing for years, and it's something the rest of the NFL is starting to really pick up on and, and utilize uh, as a way to create immediate cap relief. And the basic idea is this, right? Like a player has a ten million dollar base salary for this year. You go up to that player and you say, "Hey, we are converting nine millions of that to signing bonus. 
So then they have a $1 million base salary and a $9 million signing bonus. But that, you know, let's say they have three years left on the deal. That $9 million then gets spread over those three years. It gets prorated. So their cap hit goes from $10 million to $4 million because it's only the $3 million signing bonus and that $1 million salary. So that creates, you know, $6 million in, in immediate cap relief. Now you have to deal with the, the $6 million you push into the next two years of the contract. Um, but that's where the, that's where the whole, you know, the salary cap raises by $10 million every year thing comes in. You're like, okay, well, that's baked in. I'm, I'm, I'm now only working with an extra $7 million for that year. And, and he's, he's done that over and over and over again. And, uh, it's how they've been able, um, to, to just stay relevant and competitive and, and aggressive in free agency. Um, and it's worked. Uh, for several years, uh, you know. Now this year, obviously, they had to make a lot of cuts uh, because of the unexpected dip in the cap brought on by the pandemic. Uh, but without that, I mean, they would have been able to keep. Um, you know, they would have been able to restructure um, Janoris Jenkins and, and keep Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and that, you know, I think if this guy, when I was when I was talking to him about Kai, he was just like, "Look, I, Kai is is brilliant. He he's just done stuff that that people have never done." And people are starting to pick up on, uh, you know, I think the, the ringer wrote this big story, uh, yesterday about, uh, how the NFL is like doing all these void years now. Um, a lot, a lot of teams are using void years to, to free up immediate cap space. That was a, a that's a Kai Harley thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, the saints restructured Sheldon Rankin's fifth year option. Nobody had ever done that before. That was a Kai Harley thing. Um, you know, it's it's uh, like he's he's absolutely on the cutting edge of this stuff because he has so much knowledge of the salary cap, and um, he's just just an absolutely uh, brilliant guy back there for him. But he's you know, one of the, I, I put that tweet out there last night, and uh, and I must have had a hundred people tweet at me like, "Shut up! Like, don't say anything about it," because the guy's like kind of a ghost. Um, if you do a Google image search of, of Kai Harley, um, K H A I Harley, like the motorcycle, I think only like two or three images that are actually him pop up. Um, it's really impressive that he's been able to keep such a low profile, uh, for how important he's been, uh, to this organization. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really, really just, uh, key part of what they do to keep this roster together. Luke Johnson, great stuff. Final Saints question, Luke. Um, and it's a very general one, but Drew Brees officially announced his retirement on Sunday. Um, I think many of us knew it was coming. Uh, some were like, why is it taking so long? Does it 15 years to the day he signed? And Sean Payton said they were operating with the anticipation he was going to retire. Uh, what, what, What's your take on Drew Brees, his legacy with the fan base, and his legacy in the NFL? Yeah, well, I think uh, I think first of all, I, I had I had this this feeling like going into the going into the offseason, he was going to try to retire on, on the day the anniversary of the day he signed, and then I looked up what date it was. I was like, okay, no way, he actually waits till March fourteenth. Uh, I wish I would have made that prediction back in like January when I was first thinking it, but. Um, Anyways, uh, look, I think 
his his legacy as a football player is really really easy to define. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was really 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 good for a very very long time. Yeah, from 2006 to to basically 2019. I mean, he put together some of the, the like 10 best seasons ever by a quarterback in that span. So when, when you're looking at his career uh, from a playing standpoint, um, I, you know, I wrote this in, in the piece I wrote about his retirement. I, I think his, his legacy as a player towers above even the greatest of all of time because of how good he was for how long he was good. Um, it's, it's really insane how consistently good he was. And I, I think that's really easy to, to quantify. Um, and I think his legacy as, as a person, especially in New Orleans, um, is a lot more difficult to, uh, to kind of put a finger on. And I think that's, I think that's good. Um, look, he, Drew and his family and his foundation have done oh, it, so many good works in this community. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to, to even list, I mean, between hurricane, uh, Katrina recovery and relief and, uh, you know, all of the charitable endeavors and, and, you know, the time he's, he's made available for, um, and, you know, the, the money he's given for various things had just this past year, it was $5 million, uh, in COVID relief. Um, and you, you line that up with the fact that he's, he's just this, you could walk by him on the street and not even realize he's an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, he's, he's got this every man quality to him that I think a lot of them makes him relatable. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, he's, he's shown, some flaws, um, and some, some lapses in judgment, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, last year with like, uh, the Anthem comments that it kind of started a firestorm. Uh, and then, you know, just said that day later, he walks it back and started another firestorm with people who had different political opinions and, um, you know, or, or the fact that he's, he's still like the national spokesperson for Advocare, which you know, company two years ago, uh, had to settle a $150 million lawsuit with the federal trade commission because you know, there were charges that it was a Ponzi scheme. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's some, some flaws in judgment that he's shown over the years that just, it shows he's not a perfect person. And yeah, I don't think it's a good thing that, uh, that he's, he's the brand advocate, but I do think that it's, it makes him um, somebody who's, you know, this larger than life man on the football field is somebody who I think has shown that he's not perfect. Um, and I think that makes his, his legacy as, as a human being a lot more interesting to me. Um, Cause it's not just like this veneer um, yeah, that a lot of, a lot of like people who make a lot of money try to put up. Um, I, I think there's there's like an openness and uh, and a relatable quality to Drew Brees that I really appreciate. Great stuff. Luke Johnson has been our guest. Well, um, before I let you run, I got to ask you about a, a war movie or what you've been watching lately. 
And uh, we have a listener submission, Brad. Uh, he he. I haven't seen it, and maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, we'll move on to to question uh, a backup question here. But uh, the movie Greyhound with Tom Hanks. It was on Apple TV. World War II movie. A lot of folks maybe watched it during the pandemic. It was released on Apple TV. I don't know, five six months ago. What uh, have you seen that one? And if so, what are your thoughts? No, I haven't. You know we. We downloaded Apple TV too to watch uh, Ted Lasso, which was awesome. Oh, so uh, good, so good! I yeah. finished it last week. Me and my wife watched it in like a week. It was just great. Yeah, same. I, I mean, like, I, yeah, I think the first episode I watched, I was like, "Oh, come on!" Like, this is exactly this is like a little. This is a little too, uh, you know, folksy. Like, uh, you know, hard to believe. Like somebody could be like that. But like, I was, I was like just sucked in and hey, I think Chelsea and I watched it in a week too. But after we watched the series, we, <laughs> we deleted the Apple TV app because I didn't see anything else I wanted to watch, but now I might have to go back and watch Greyhound. Uh, so uh, you but know, I, I haven't you're seen probably rent it too on like iTunes or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it, but, um, you know, uh, but Ted Lasso, you're right. I mean, that first episode, you're like, I don't think I, I don't want to like this. But Sudeikis was so charming, and the the show was so charming. It was it was it was impossible not to enjoy. You know what I mean? Like even though you're like, okay, this is like you said, folksy. This couldn't actually happen. You know, they're making a commercial and do like a TV series, but it's just somehow everything about it just worked. You know? Yeah, and I think uh, I think the fact that they they gave they made everybody on that show like a bad person who was who ended up being kind of redeemable. Um, yeah, outside of Ted Lasso, uh, yeah, I think that was that was a nice touch, and uh, it was kind of the same the same feeling I had with uh, with Schitt's Creek watching that. Um, although that took a lot longer to reach that uh-huh. that kind of conclusion, but um, yeah, great show. I, w- I would highly recommend watching that. There you go. Those, um, are, those are two. Those are two Luke Johnson recommendations that I uh, that I second. Well, I back them up. I just started. We just started last night. This isn't technically a war movie, but it is a spy series. So, so let's. let's I'll, I'll bring it up. Last night, I watched the first episode of The Night Manager last night. Uh, it's been out for, I guess, maybe four years now. Um, it's got Tom Hiddleston as the lead. Okay. Uh, Hugh Laurie is kind of the villain. Um, and yeah, it's uh, the first episode was great. And I'm looking forward to the rest. So maybe we'll talk about that next time. All right, I might have that's to check five, out. That's, that's like number. That's number two on my list behind war movies. Okay, I'm, I'm watching Godfather of Harlem right now, which is um, like a historical gangster series with Forrest Whitaker. Not bad. I'm enjoying it. I think they maybe take a few liberties with some historical things, which I'm not crazy about, but. I'm enjoying it when I have time to watch it. I know right now you've just been waiting for news to break, and uh, you've given us way too much of your time this morning on St. Patrick's Day, Luke. But as always, man, we really appreciate it. Um, All the best to you and the wife, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the road. In the meantime, guys, give Luke a follow on Twitter at ByLukeJohnson. That's B-Y Luke Johnson. Check out all his stuff in uh, the Advocate slash TimesPicune. You can go to NOLA.com for that. Appreciate it, man. And uh, if you happen to to ever do a deep dive into where Breeze got his hair plugs from, please let me know because I've been balding for 21 years, and, I mean, that is a a heck of a job. I mean, that is really – just it's it's whoever did it man they did ama- they did amazing work i got to be honest they did amazing yeah work.
Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a money thing, man. Uh, yeah, I don't think I can afford work. it. I think you're uh, right. That guy, had, <laughs> that guy had no hair. That guy had no hair at the start of the season, and now all of a sudden, just like okay, he is as thick of a hair as I think I had the hair as I do. It's pretty oh, crazy, man. You guys with your hair. All right, Luke. Appreciate it, brother. All the best, man. All right, always, Scott. We'll see you soon. All right, great stuff from our friend Luke Johnson.